I'm in the studio with Jay Helene. 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 You are now in the studio with Jay Helene. What's up, y'all? It's your boy Jay Helene. We are back for another episode of Star of Talk. And listen, I'm continuously getting upgraded. Look at this beautiful sister right here. <laughs> Y'all do not know. I've seen her around the city in Columbia, South Carolina. And when she was getting started, she was jumping off the porch. And then now when you hear about her story you know, and find out the rock star she's become in the business world, <laughs> you're going to be just as excited as I am. I'm talking about if you don't know who she is, you're going to get to know her. Miss Tasha Dash. Tasha, thank you so much for coming on Star of Talk. Oh, thank you, Jay. I appreciate you asking me to come on. And let, let me tell you something. Um, I don't always reach out to people, especially, um, I mean, I've done my thing with the people that, that's local that I know that was that was the whole movement. I wanted to work with entrepreneurs who didn't have the opportunity. But I just remember when you were getting started. I remember when you, you know, jumped out the porch they said, I'm leaving my job and doing all this. And then started watching yes. the matriculation. And um, I really appreciate your grind. And so, um, but more importantly, what we do here in Starve Talk, it's not just highlighting entrepreneurs. It's, it's the journey. The acronym for Starve is Stand Tall and Reclaim Victory Every Day. So with you being a single parent, which we're going to get into, you know, with right. you being a black woman in entrepreneurship um, from the South, things of that nature, you have a story to tell. And Definitely. so that's part, that's part of what this situation is about. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, your beginning, you know, being here, you know, in South Carolina, growing up, what was your goal? Was it always to be an entrepreneur or what was the plan? Actually, Jay, like I, I just came back from a retreat and um, she had us kind of dig deep and think about what we, what would we tell our you know, younger selves. And thinking back, I really didn't have like a dream or a goal or anything. It was just kind of, I was just kind of here living. I was a good child. I was memorable. I, you know, had good grades. I played sports. I was just kind of living day by day, you know, so I really didn't have any dreams. Um, knew I wanted to go to college. Um, parents were blue collar workers. They did extremely well with raising my siblings and I. And um, they always wanted something different for us. So we, I went to college. I attended the Claflin University in Orangeburg, Jesus South Carolina. Christ. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yes. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. It's still all HBCU love. I know you're from BC. <laughs> you know, we, it's, it's okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay. You made the wrong decision. It's all right. It's okay. <laughs> and, and then, so another thing. And then I pledged the most illustrious sorority there is, Delta Sigma Theta Sorority in incorporated and so and, and i know i see you back there with the blue wall so i already know what time it is oh man <laughs> she loves, love deltas too yeah we, we hey we love we love the divine nine but you know actually and as i think and i go throughout my journey i really didn't have any dreams of you know becoming a specific thing or any dreams of being this specific person it was kind of me as it hit me I was like, okay, well, let's do this. Let's do that. So I really didn't have any dreams. And so um, that's kind of like my journey, just blue yeah. collar workers, you know, parents always wanted something better for us. Didn't want us to have to work, you know, blue collar and work at a plant or anything of that nature. And so, you know, I attended college and then, you know, from there, 
definitely a different person from when I started in 2000 to 2004. And then I went back in 2006 for my master's, but it was just kind of me just like, hey, you should do this. You should do that. You know, it's just kind of going through the flow, you know, going so with the you, flow. rather. How do you feel about that now? You said that your parents didn't want you to do the type of things that they were doing. How do you feel about those jobs now? Do you feel like your parents um, were misguided in that thought? I know their heart was in the right place, but do you feel like they was misguided in that thought? As far as didn't want me to be a blue, blue collar yeah, worker? Yeah, the, the kids being blue collar workers. I don't think so. Um, I think at the time with the with the mindset, the economy and things that they had going on, like my mom worked long hours, you know, so she working 10 hours in a place where it's hot, um, you know, and so she was like, I don't want that for y'all. You know, she used to come home and tell us like, you know, she used to come pour down and sweat, you know, working in those, you know, plants and, wow. and my mom did um, CNA for a little bit. Um, so she did that side of it, but it was more um, financial. It was in the best interest of us financially for her to be, you know, work at a plant. And so, um, and there's nothing wrong with it. I had an awesome life in my mind. Everything I wanted and needed, I had. But my parents just had to work really, really hard to do it. They had to do that physical labor. And I was like, I don't want to do the physical side. Let me see what I can do on the opposite side. I love that. I asked that question because, again, it's it's going to be a never ending question, especially going through the generations, because you think about that baby boomer generation. Um, they said that about pretty much no matter what the jobs were, unless they were a doctor, a lawyer. It was like, hey, I don't want you doing what I'm doing. And right. a lot of times that wasn't a bad thing that what they were doing. They just Definitely. thought that they were told that it was something bad. And, you know, but now you think about in the black community, there's not a lot of plants um, I know I growing up in New Jersey, where I grew up at, it was plants all over the place. You know, it was right. very industrialized and now it's deindustrialized. And so that has a lot of people on the corners, had a lot of people doing stuff they don't have no business doing, things of right. that nature. So um I just wanted to get your side of it uh, and what you thought about it. But that's great. A lot of times, you know, again, you have these people who had these horrible um childhoods. And they feel like that's the best mm -hmm. story. But I'm glad to have somebody be able to say, hey, you know, my parents did take care of me. <laughs> yeah, my parents were amazing. Like, I didn't want for anything. If anything, my mom was like, okay, now that's enough. Like, <laughs> and I was the oldest. So, you know, I got a car. You know, I got like three cars. You know, I mean, my, my parents did really, really well by me, you that's know. And so that's my main goal now. One of my goals is to make sure on the back end now, I want to take care of them. You know, so yeah. that's that's definitely one of my eyes on the prize, like making sure that, you know, when I, you know, get to this point of, you know, my wealth or what I call my success, you know, I'm able to, you know, pay them back, so to speak. And I know we're not supposed to or whatever, you know, what other people say, but that's what I want to do. Now, I agree with that. I agree with if your parents took care of you, you should take care of them. I'm cool with that part. Right. Um, everybody don't agree with it, but I, I'm, I'm with that because again, it's just, it's called the cycle of life. You know, you're going yes. back to a situation where you need to be taken care of. You need to be taken care of as a baby and you go right back to saying you lose all your teeth, lose everything. You know. <laughs> right. So right. You're right. Situation, somebody feeding you, somebody changing you, somebody doing all that stuff. And it's supposed to happen like that. So uh, I totally subscribe to that methodology. Um, but your career, you got out of college you know, from Claflin, you know, you made a bad decision, but you made the best of a bad decision. <laughs> you graduated. So let's talk hey, about- you know what, Jay? I will make that same decision all back over. I was just telling somebody, like, the life that I had and what I did, you know, I, it'll be a few tweaks, but I would definitely attend Claflin all back over again. 
Everybody says that, you know, I, I think that as an adult now, I understand, I think Claflin was a, a great university. I, I was, you know, coming, I was all BC, BC, everything. I'm down there at the game, acting the fool, <laughs> you know, all of that. I put in yeah. a lot of nonsense down there, you know, y'all come up there, I think we lose, we fight. We, I was in. Yeah, that's it. Like, that's in it. The middle of that. But I, now as an adult, I don't know, I let my kids go there. <laughs> Uh, if I still live in South Carolina, I probably couldn't do it. But now, if they wanted to go back and go to Claflin, I say, okay, cool, because I don't reside in South Carolina full time no more. Right. But what was your career choice when you first got out? So when I got out, you know, we're supposed to get that dream job when you get out making like sixty bands, you know. So that yeah. was not the case. So I was trying to think about what did I do? I was still at Zaxby's. I was working at Zaxby's through college, so I was still at Zaxby's. You was that? And I think my. You yeah, was that I, yeah, yeah, I was that girl. Oh, I was that girl. I, oh, I knew everybody girl, at State yeah, Pretty girl through. at the restaurant. <laughs> and, you know, got the boyfriend who getting the free food and picking you up in a nice car. All of that. All of that. I'm still, I'm actually still friends with some of the ones that I used to talk to. We are still friends. We are actually still friends. But um, from there, I worked at K Jewelers. So K Jewelers was like my first job. And it was in Columbia and harvesting during Christmas time. I was like, man, this is not it. <laughs> and then I transferred to the Orangeburg store and um, was there for a little bit. And then I went to Alltel. I felt like I was going to come up. You know, All remember Alltel? Wow. Alltel yes. Communications. Oh, wow. That's a throwback right there. <laughs> yes. And I was on a come up. It was paying for my phone bill. I only had to pay taxes, worked on, got commission. And so, um, yeah, that was, uh, I, I had a lot of jobs. I like, I was still, again, cause I didn't have any dreams. I didn't have a dream job. I was applying for state jobs. You know, you, it's like, you have to know like the hiring manager to get a job at the state job. I got so many denials with them. Yeah. I used to ride around with my, um, resume in my car <laughs> like like my inhaler for my asthma I was just riding around with it it was like my inhaler pocketbook resume like I was oh. always ready <laughs> she said then uh, yeah yeah I have I have asthma so I have to have that but yeah um I was always ready and just so it's just kind of and I'm, I'm great at talking to people at networking as you can see I love to talk mm -hmm. and um I think my big, I worked at South Carolina State. I worked in a book room for a little bit. So I did that. And I think my big break was um, my brother graduated from high school in 2008. Hmm. And so I was a first generation college student. And so he was getting an um, interview for college and he had to go to South University. And so I told my mom, let me go with you. Because she may not, maybe some questions that she would not have answered that I would have known since I attended college already. And then from there, when he was doing an interview with him, I was like, oh, this is easy. I can do this. He was like, really? He was like, do you have a resume? I said, hold that thought. You had it. Ran <laughs> back to the car because I had it with me all the time on resume paper, not on a regular eight by 11 white okay. paper, resume paper. And then from there, that's when um, my career really started. When I was at a job longer than two years, was in higher education. Wow, wow! 
So you in high education because so did you what was your major in? Was you majoring in education at the time? No, my major was business. So I had a I, well, let me go back. I started off in computer science again because I didn't have any goals and dreams of what I wanted to do. I like science and I like math. So I was like, hey, let's do computer science. Yeah, I got in there and there was a foreign teacher in there. And I, and I see my whole college career fly before my eyes <laughs> and my mom and dad are killing me because I'm failing. So I was like. I think I need to do something else. Yeah. So I chose business and it was like the best thing that could have happened to me. I absolutely love business. I can talk about it forwards and backwards, you know, in my sleep, I can talk about business. So did your master's is in business as well? You got an MBA? Yep. I have an MBA. I got an MBA in 2006. I, again, I went to Claflin. I was like, Hey, I know all the professors. They don't need for me to go back and build new relationships with other professors. I, I already know their style of teaching. Let's just go back and get your master's. So I did that. So with college now, you know, telling your story about going to college and everything like that, and you have the kids now because it's completely different right? and how you went to something that you didn't see a future for yourself in and making that pivot. How important is it for kids to actually know what they want to do before they go to college? Oh, and so working in higher ed, I was an admissions representative. And so it was always the parent and the child. And I always had a hard conversation with the parent. like. Uh, a lot of kids choose the school and then they choose the major. That's the wrong thing to do. You need to choose what do you want to do? What are you good at? What are you passionate about? You know, when you wake up in the morning, are you excited about it? And yeah. then find that major that supports that, you know, yeah. supports what you're excited about. Because if you do it the opposite way, you're, you're wasting money. Now yeah. you you got your default on your student loans. Now you're telling everybody student loans are bad <laughs> because, you know, they're taking your tax check, you know. And then when you five, 10 years later, when you're ready to go back to school, now your, your loans are in default. And now you have to go through this long process of, you know, before you're able to start school, because now as an adult, somebody said, hey, what do you like to do? You should do this instead yeah. of choosing Clemson or USC or UCLA or USC, you know, to go to school, you know, it's, it's, we do it wrong. We don't teach them the proper way to uh, apply for college. Yeah. You know, the utility of it, um, it's, it's like literally they treat it like a lifeline as opposed to the utility. Like what I mean by that is like sometimes if, if it's a, a, a tool, sometimes those tools don't work. So for somebody, college might not be the case. But right. if, if it's if you say you want to be a doctor, then college is the way. But right. if you say you want to be, because again, I jumped out, I would say my career started when I became a photographer and that was over 10 years ago, but I've been out of college way longer than that. Right. right. Nobody told me, I mean, I always knew I was going to be in business. So I just did business, but it was a filler for me. It was just, okay, I'm in college, I'm in business. But if I knew what I was going to do, I didn't have to go to college for that. Right. And I wouldn't have put myself in that situation. So Understanding that school period, especially post, you know, high school is a utility and how can you use it? And if it's not the tool that needs to be in your toolbox to get to where you need to go, you might need to back off. But if it is, then you learn how to use it properly so that you can actually get what the, the results that you're looking for. And I believe that the generation passed and even us, some of us now are um, not doing it right for us telling our kids. It's just like, I went to college, you got to go to college. Or right. your kid just clearly told you they want to drive trucks. They don't, don't send them to college. And they <laughs> right, really, for four they, years. They right. want you to have, they, they, your son is getting you to buy him dump trucks to go around there. He want to drive him. He get excited when he riding past him. 
and you're right. gonna send them to college. Yeah. <laughs> and you're gonna owe 80,000 and come back and still get in the dump truck. Like, right, exactly. Like, we can't do that type of situation. So, I definitely wanted to ask you that because you're a parent. And yeah. So, what's the, I know you're telling your story, and that's one of the things that get kids excited because we start talking about how much fun we had in college. Right. And, and the things we've done. And then we seem, if we seem successful to them, they're like, college is the way. So, what are you telling your, your, um, your daughter, right? Your daughter about college? Yeah, yes. Well, actually, I mean, I, I tell her, um, I don't think college is a bad thing. Just like you said, it's not bad, but it's about what you want to do. And so right now, she's a business owner. She's getting her own business. So she's thinking about that. So she's doing that. And so um, her dad and I, if that's what she wants to do, then we're going to pour into that. Um, but if she wants to have business, uh, she wants to school go to school for business, I'm, I'm not going to tell her not to go. Yeah. You know, so it's again, it's all about what that child loves to do. You have to have a love and a passion. So that's why I talked to her about, like, what do you like to do? I'm asking her that right now so she can start thinking about it. Like, what do you like to do? What do you love to do? What is OK? And so as she does that, then my job is to figure out, OK, expose her to different areas, whether it's be entrepreneurship or college or a combination of both, because she may not have to go to a four-year school. Maybe she can go to a technical school, get what she needs, get a trade, and yeah. then still be able to be an entrepreneur. Because it yeah. is, it's not like the end-all to be-all to attend yeah. a four-year college, you know, just it's like you said. So maybe a trade school. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So, you know, you working in higher ed, and then you, you know, you're getting this itch. When did you start getting that entrepreneurial itch? Okay, so I didn't get the itch. The itch found me. <laughs> I'm going to say that. The itch found me. So after I went to South University, I was there for almost 10 years, almost nine years. I went to Virginia College and worked in career services. And so I uh, did career services for a year. This is the thing about jobs and, and, and working in corporate America. Was there for a year. I've celebrated my one-year anniversary. The next day, they... Um, they let me go. Hmm. Not because I wasn't a great employee, not because we just won an award and, and I wasn't coming to work on time because they were downsizing. So yeah. literally on the 16th, yay, I'm excited. I'm going to lunch with my boss. 17th, they called me into the office and said, we have to let you go. Wow. I was devastated. Um, so went through the whole process. Um, a, a couple people there because I was in career services. A couple people there advocated for me and got me back into admissions. I absolutely hated it. Yeah. When I mean like hated it, my whole entire face, my whole demeanor, my whole energy was off because I worked my way out of there. Then I had to go back, not knowing God had a plan for me. Wow! Wow! Yep. I was gonna ask and, you. So I see. I see why. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Guy had a plan for me. I, I had someone there who um, um, was doing life insurance. They started life insurance, and you know, everybody think of life insurance. You think about the man in the in the uh, white shirt, cut off with a tie, coming to your house and say your life insurance. You know, and I was like, ah, uh, no, sir. And that was in December, January. I got laid off. He came back and revisited that conversation. We revisited that conversation. And I studied and got my license to um, become a license, life, excuse me, a life insurance agent. And during that time, when we got those layoffs, that was just like the first of many layoffs at that school. Yeah. At that time, I can kind of see the writing on the wall. And that's when I knew I was like, you know what? 
this isn't for me anymore. I, this isn't for me to make a hundred calls a day. I say, I know this is not the purpose God has for me, for me to go to college twice, have two degrees and make a hundred calls a day, just to beg people to come to school. That wasn't for me. And so after I got into the insurance industries, I really like it. And then we got, I got exposed to someone who told me about being an entrepreneur and how insurance can be my business. And yeah. so from there, that's when I, it was a snowball. When I say it was fast, it was fast. That was in January and June. I fired my job in June. You fired the job. Oh, yeah, yeah. I gave them my two weeks notice to say your <laughs> services are no longer needed. And so I'm going to give you two weeks to, you know, hey, do your thing. And then I'll see you when I see you. So insurance, what was your biggest trepidation about um, joining that, that getting into that um, space, the insurance space? Um, Because, you know, like I said, I, I didn't want to be like the insurance agent that comes to your house and just kind of sell your insurance. And, and I was ignorant about insurance. And so because of my ignorance in insurance, I only had that perceived notion of what I've seen and, yeah. you know, what people say about insurance agents. And then when I, you know, brought those walls down and actually was open to listening because I had muffled and I was like, no, I didn't want to do this. I'm fine where I am. I don't want to do it. And then when I took the muffs off, I had an open mind and I was like, this can be a very lucrative job. No, excuse me, a very lucrative career. And it was, it was actually my path to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, one thing I learned, especially with black people too, when it comes to insurance and I have conversations, especially with new insurance agents I've, and they've been in classes and stuff of mine and they're, um, they start their own business and in insurance and they're, um, you know, people don't want to um, support, Oh, they don't want to pay for it. And it's definitely going at us, at black people. And all the black people don't want to support because I'm insurance. And do you find that it's lack of education or is it just a stereotype like you, like that you had? It's, it's um, both. It's mm -hmm. both. But more so lack of education. I, we don't want it. We don't need it or we don't have it until we need it. You know, so, you know, what's the saying? You know, I'd rather have it and don't need it and need it and don't have it. Mm -hmm. That's that's the terminology I was using. And because we figure we don't need it, it's not a need. And what's crazy is we have to have insurance for our car. They make us have insurance for our car. Right. They, that's mandatory. Mm -hmm. You have to, it's mandatory to make it insurance for the house because they value that car because if something happens to it, they want their money. Mm -hmm. They value this house because you still have a mortgage on it. We are the only people that don't value ourselves. We should put insurance on ourselves, just like we value our car, even our cell phones. We have insurance on our cell phones because if something happens to it, we want to take care of it. But what about you? I think you put a word out there. You said mandatory. You know what I'm saying? Like when you give people a choice, it's a, it's a whole lot different. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, in business, as two entrepreneurs talking, when I teach, I tell people, I say, you know, especially black people, we have businesses that's insignificant. And so when you have a business that people don't need what you have and they only can want it, wants change way faster than needs. So you gonna wake up in the morning and go to Walmart and get underwear, get some soap or get something that you need to go through your day. But this creative scenario that you came up with, and this might be beautiful, but they don't need that. You know what I'm saying? And right. so they got a question and it's the same situation with um, life insurance. Nobody's putting it out there like you need it. Because once you die, you die. And then some people even feel like if I die, I ain't here. I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be here to go through whatever right. the issue you're saying that's going to happen when I'm not here. You know what I mean? So right. it's a different scenario in that. So how do you educate somebody out of that train of thought 
you know, as a, as a, um, agent? Uh, I, um, let them know we, we have to break generational curses and a lot of our counterparts, you know, a lot of people in other cultures, they use insurance to take their families to the next level because one is tax free. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about paying taxes on it. And two, they educate their families about finances. I just seen someone put on Facebook or Snap that, you know, we were learning about um, geometry and all of that. And I was like, oh, yeah, because I'm using that every day instead of learning about taxes and all of that. We have to do the work. We have to teach them about finances and learning that if I have a $100,000 insurance policy, after you pay $10,000, $15,000 to bury me, you got $85,000. That's not for you to go and get cars and shoes and hair and nails we need to invest that money so it can continuously grow generation after generation so if you want to change the dynamics if you want to change the financial trajectory of your family when you leave then that's what you want to do if you want to leave bills then don't get an insurance policy you know what i mean but if you want to change the financial trajectory of your family for years to come and teach them about finances then you start off with life insurance because there is no taxes on life insurance and show them what they need to do with the life insurance. And one of the things I've learned, you know, because I wasn't, I was one of those people, you know, I actually worked with Prime America when I was a kid. I was like 19, 20 years old at Benedict, um, working with Prime America. And I had a, a policy, but it was just one of those situations. Well, you, you can't sell it if you don't have it, which makes sense. But it took years for me to get it. And what, what someone told me about life insurance that made me actually get it was life insurance is not about um, death, it's about life. Because the truth of the matter is um, people don't want to hear, they don't want to talk about their death. They don't want to talk about it and they damn sure don't want nobody else to be talking to them about it on a regular basis. And then I'm paying you for my death. Like basically, like I'm right. giving you money and we're going to talk about that. But when I was educated on the fact that how you can use it as a vehicle while you're living to, you know, enjoy life better, and to avoid taxes and help things and, you know, legally avoid taxes and things of that nature. Right. And then this is the biggest thing I know, like people that I, they, they ran away from it because especially black people, the health scenario, if you had, you know, um, the misconception was that if you had um, life insurance, they had to go through health screenings all the time and black people have diabetes and all these other situations. And they're saying, Hey, you can't get it. I have a very good friend that's very well off. And it took her, she went about eight different um, places before they was going to take her because of a health situation that she's had. And she mm -hmm. has a lot of money. Her, her, you know, her family, they're doing very, very well for themselves, but she had to break her neck to find some insurance. So a lot of these things are not addressed in those conversations when trying to sell, especially African-Americans on um, life insurance. Have you seen any of that and overcame oh, that? Yeah, definitely. They have pre-existing conditions. Yeah, exactly. I, I overcome that with telling me you need the sooner the better you need to get insurance policies. Like you don't wait until you're sick or someone dies and then you want to get insurance. You get it while you're young. The younger, the better, because unfortunately, we don't know what we're putting in our bodies. You know, you know, with the food and the preservatives and all of these things that we have going on. So, you know, we wake up with things we're feeling bad, we're doing this. And then you get a, you, you get a diagnosed with something you're like, oh Lord, let me get an insurance policy. I don't want to leave my family with that. You do it while you're happy, healthy. You run around here having a good time. You start now yeah. get policies. When you have kids, as soon as they get a social security number, you need to get them insurance. You know, that's when we need to do it. That's, that's what we need to teach our community. 
you don't wait until someone in our family who's 60 years old to get insurance and now you're 40, it's going to be higher. Get it when you're younger so you don't have to pay as much. And then you don't have to worry about if something happens, you know, now I have this pre-existing condition, I can't get insurance and now insurance is bad. Again, we didn't do our due, our due diligence on the front end. So we won't have to have these cause and effects on the back end. What was one of the, because you said this prepared you. So what was one of the biggest things that got you prepared to go off on um, in your entrepreneurial journey in the um, insurance space? <laughs> because insurance is, it goes up and down, up and down. As far as with the, with the money and the commission and all of that, you know, one week you can make $5,000. The next week you can make $1,000. You know, you get chargebacks, you get all of that because somebody didn't want to pay their bill anymore, you know? So yeah. you get chargebacks. So learning how to budget and manage my money as an insurance agent was key to me growing as an entrepreneur because I know every day isn't going to be great. And so I need to know how to budget my money, pay my bills, still live my life, you know, take care of my family. That's the biggest thing that people don't get when it comes to moving into entrepreneurship. Because, and I, again, I've been a felon, so I couldn't get that job, even though I had a degree. And um, but once I got to a certain space of success, if you really love people, you're going to try to teach them how to avoid the pitfalls. And so I always tell my people, if you got a job, especially a good job, don't rush to get off that job because that just knowing I don't care. I mean, me being a hustler, I don't care if I got two hundred dollars a week. If I know it's coming, I'm in way better shape than I might get two thousand dollars maybe next month or and that's double the money. But at the same time. If you can, if I can count on it and I know it's there, I can make things happen. And then when you, when you are an entrepreneur and you don't know when your next check coming, you don't know how to plan. Like, how do you take vacations if you don't know how to plan? How do you, right. you might get 50, 50 grand, but if you ain't get no money all last, the first six months of the year, you got 50 grand, you still broke. And we right. think like that. We don't think like that. We just thinking, okay, we're going to make this money and we don't have no boss. And so, you know, what were some of those things you had to overcome back and forth? Because, you you know, you've been working for 10 straight years and then now you, you know, you still got to eat what you kill in insurance. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I, I wasn't getting a, tra- a check on the first and the 15th. So when I got my when I got when I did get that, you know, a lump sum or I did really well that week, you know, I made sure I paid my bills, you know, so that was first and foremost. I had to pay where I lay. <laughs> so where I laid my head at, that was first and foremost. Hey, you know, I, I, I can't, I have a child, so I can't be homeless and I can't be living on someone's couch. You know, I just paid my essential bills first. And then after that, I just learned how to manage my money. Always paid, you know, mortgage, lights, water, things you can't live without, you know, make sure, you know, I had something to eat. And then now I can, you know, be able to budget my money accordingly as it came in. But Always paying my bills first was, you know, the first thing. And especially as you get older, you know, when you're younger, you just spend the money. You know, you in college, you just spend it. That's the first thing you do. You with your parents, you just spend it. And now you're on your own and you're an entrepreneur. You're like, oh, no, I got to make better decisions. I got to be an adult today. <laughs> and so this, this, again, just learning how to manage your money. And it took a while. It wasn't something overnight because I was like, I'm not used to this. I'm used to getting my check on the 1st and 15th. I already... Hey, I'm great with numbers. I already knew what I was going to get on Fridays. 
Right. I already calculated my money on Wednesday. I already knew I was going to get on Friday. I know what I needed to do. I was good. But as an entrepreneur, you don't have that luxury of knowing what you're going to get every two weeks. So you just have to be really good and, excuse me, budgeting your money. How many parties did you miss? A lot. <laughs> if it wasn't free, I'd be like free 99. I was not attending. Yeah, I was not attending. I had to tell my girlfriends, I'm like, hey, sis, you know, I'm have to be an adult today. I'm gonna have to pass. Yeah. And 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 again, you know, um, I, I just wanted to hear that from somebody because a lot of times, especially if somebody's just getting to know you, they see what you're doing, they're like, oh man, they always say these same words. That's easy for you to say. Right. Because they see you where you are. And they don't see where you came from. Came from. And, and they like, you know it's easy for you to say. And I like to go back and say, yeah, in 2013, you know, it wasn't easy for me to bring my son, son home. And the same day my car get repossessed, the same night my son get home. And I harvest hope right. at my grocery store. Like, they're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, so that's what that was. You know, I got free groceries every Wednesday at Harvest Hope, you know, because right. of that just less than 10 years ago. So. It's not easy for me to say. It's yeah, it's easy for me to say because that was what I lived, and I right. don't want you to go through that same thing because entrepreneurship is um, a hot button topic now, and it's the it's the thing to do now. So, what do you think about that? Because everybody should be an entrepreneur according to social media. Do you feel <laughs> that way? I don't. It, this this is hey, this is not for the faint of heart. You know this this is like. Um, like 300, whoever's left at the end, you know, that movie 300, this <laughs> yeah, is Sparta, yeah. like whoever's left, you know what I mean? So it, it's it's a, it's great. Uh, being an entrepreneur is great. I'll say that, but it's not easy. It's not um, something you could be like, hey, I'm gonna turn on and turn off. Like every day you're focused, every day you have to figure out how you're gonna make money. You know, every day is your focus to making sure that yesterday is better than today. What do I need to do better marketing, better content. What do I need to do to get to the customer? So that's your mindset every single Friday, day. Evening, y'all. She's talking about every day, not Monday through Friday. Every, yeah, every day, Saturday or Sunday. And I'm, this is my office. I'll be in here. So I'm like on my laptop sleep. My baby was like, mommy, wake up. You have to go to bed because you're grinding. You Because you have, as an entrepreneur, your mind is always racing. Yeah. You always think that you have ideas, you know, and sometimes it's hard for you to go to sleep. And that's it. That's the mindset every day because starting off as an entrepreneur is great, but you want to get past that. I want to be, I want to have businesses and someone else is running for me while I'm doing something else. So that's the end game for me to run this business to a point where I'm somewhere else, whether I'm on vacation or I'm starting a new venture, but my business is still running. But yeah. you have to put in the work now in order for you to get to that goal now, because I'm dreaming now. I didn't dream before. I'm dreaming. I have a goal. And so now that's where I'm going. So you, you jumped out. I mean, you're doing the, the insurance, but now you, you you created this business that you have right now. Right. Um, again, I remember seeing you, you know, hungry, ready to rock and roll. Oh, I'm um, still hungry. What, what was that? It's a different kind. I mean, it's always a hunger. You know, if you yeah. can keep that hunger, that's fine. But that hunger, when you first jump out, Oh yeah, it's different, way different. different. Yeah. So what 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 was that like? What was you jumping off the porch and saying, "Hey, this is thing with something with my name on it"? What was that like for you? Because uh, I I've told this story before. A lot of the ventures, a lot of the business I've done is with males. I had male mentors, and it was always attached, you know, with someone in a a a, a, a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so this She Dreams Consulting is my baby. Mm-hmm. That's me. That's all me. That's all Tasha Dash. And um, how I got to it was because I was helping other people set up their businesses. Um, I was helping other people get started. And when I got started with my business, I, you know, I help small businesses leverage business credit. And so when I got started, whether it's insurance or, you know, I had some other things that I'm doing, I still do. I didn't know about business credit. And so I was like, this is what I want to do. Like I felt it. I was working out one day and I was like, this is my purpose. Like, this is what I want to do. And I created my baby like this. I birthed she dreams, you know, I birthed this because helping other people, I seen where I can make it my own. And so that, and that's what I did. So you, um, you know, you're, you're helping out with credit and financial scenarios. What's the biggest misconception about someone in your space being a financial consultant? As a financial consultant, um, that you can start your business today and then you're going to get $20,000 tomorrow. <laughs> oh, they, just think they, they ain't saying that, right? I see that on social media all the time too. Like, Yeah, they just think that, hey, you start a business, I can get you business credit, you get $20,000 tomorrow. Mm. No, sir, that's mm. not it. Another thing is that you don't have to have your personal credit together in order to have your Ooh. business credit together. Now she preaching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that is important. You know, a lot of times, again, I see it on social media too. We can get your business credit without your personal credit. Without a personal yeah, guarantee. Without a personal yeah. guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until they say, hey, you don't have, you haven't been in business long enough, but we need to use your personal as a, you need to be a personal guarantor. And now you're like in the 535s and they're like, no, sir, yeah. <laughs> you're not able to get that. So, yeah. and that's another, and another thing with business owners who are successful, they pay for everything cash. They have this bad taste in their mouth about credit because of may, what have may have what may have happened in the past. They don't want to use credit, but if Walmart, Target, Bell, if all of them can use credit, why can't we use credit? Because they use credit. It's the it's the, it's the stigma um, from yeah. our community, and it's not even nobody else's community. It's our community. It's literally, you know, because I for me, I come from the street background, and so I was telling somebody before we used to clown people who had car payments. Because we actually got money. So if we, whatever we drove, we bought. We bought. Right. And that was crazy because I wish I had some of that money. You know, I, I suppose I've been going to Hawaii or something like that. I'm <laughs> turning up at the 4040 Club in Atlantic City or in in, I mean, in New right. York City or something like that. And, you know, I'm not flying all over the world. I'm doing that on, on legitimate money now. And that's, that's, that hurt a little bit. You know, right, right. And it's different. It's, it's different. completely different. And nobody told us about that. And we would clown each other for, for that type of situation. And then one thing in the black community, this is just my opinion, um, I believe is a fact, but it's definitely my opinion, is that once somebody get the win, nobody's telling nobody else unless you're going to pay them about it. So it can be your sister. You know what I mean? Somebody's sister, hey, I got the win. Don't worry about how I do this. And it's like you got business credit. Tell your brother, tell your you know sister how to do it. And right. pass it down in generations. You know what I mean? I ain't say you got to give it to somebody you don't know. Sell it to them. But right. nobody's talking about that. You got real family members who like, I've been in a situation where it's been clowned because I didn't have credit. But when now that I do got credit, now I'm at a situation, I'm like, I'm way higher than y'all. Y'all been sitting with 800 credit, ain't know what to do with it for 20 years. Talking right, about, right. I wish I had that credit back then and knew what to do with it because y'all right. had no properties, y'all have no anything, but you was clowning us for not having no credit. 
And so it's that it's you in the same boat. You're in the same boat. Because yeah. nobody it's, has anything. Nobody has anything to pass down from generation to generation. You have nothing of your own. We yeah. don't own anything. Yeah, it's people, black people that I know personally, they got 850 credit, perfect credit, and has nothing but the house they live in. And, and credit. Look, and they're gonna protect it. They'll shoot you in your face over that credit, but they won't do nothing with it. They won't put it to you. So that's what I think the problem is. Our community yeah. with that situation. Yes. We're not educated. We have to be educated on. We have to the education. We as a community, we have to start with, like you said, within our family. Like my sister and brother, they they know about business credit. Like we all coming up together. It's us. We 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 okay. it's us together. Love yeah, it. and then now it's like, oh, my sibling, my brother has a business and my sister has a business. Now my sister is a full-time entrepreneur like I am. And so now I'm telling her, like, have our kids watching what we're doing so they can get that in their head. So it needs to be the norm Yeah, for us. Yeah, It doesn't need to be second. It needs to be the norm. We need to teach them financial literacy as a norm, not say, hey, I swipe my credit card. They think all the money is on there. no. Mommy has to work. I had to provide a service or a product to a, someone. They had to yeah. pay me. And this is how we're living. This is how we're eating. This is how we're able to go to Hawaii or go to Florida because of what I've done on the front end. Now we can read the benefits on the back end. But we need to show them like you show your kids. Like now your, your daughter has a book. Mm-hmm. And I, she did it because daddy had a book. We are products of our environment. So if we have an environment where we're not doing anything and materialistic stuff is important to us, then what do you think our kids are going to do? Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, so when we first come out out the port, off the porch in business, we have a rough patch. Tell us about yours. Oh, so, <laughs> so I had a, a rough patch. When, when I started off with business, um, it was up and down. Like I had times where I had like a drought of nothing. I had a drought where it was so bad. I was like, on the computer, like I'm gonna apply for, I'm gonna apply for a job, I'm gonna apply for a job, and I had somebody that was like, "No, you cannot apply for a job." But like, I don't have any money coming in. I need to apply for you a job. Understand, right? <laughs> yes, it's like I, I have to, you know. And so it, it was hard because the money wasn't coming in. I, I wasn't doing the business I have now. Insurance was like, oh, I like insurance, but I really don't want to do insurance. You yeah. know, it's like. It, it's, it wasn't my passion. It was my entryway into entrepreneurship. It wasn't my passion. And so um, I was doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that in order to kind of hold me off. You know, I was doing, and I'm a hustler by nature. I'm like my daddy now. I, I, <laughs> my daddy is a hustler. Hey, I am a hustler now. So whatever um, venture legally that I could get into, this <laughs> is going to do it. Hey, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Jackie of all trades. Yeah. Not a Jack. Yeah. I'm a Jackie yeah. of all trades. And I could do a little bit of everything. You know, I did trucking. Um, you know, I have a, a roofing company and then I partner with um, Brownstone Roofing Remodeling. So now I do roofing and remodeling, you know, so I'm going to get into something. Oh, so, and so no roofing don't mess up your nails, girl? No. And I see that. See, again, it's using this and not nah, 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 this all you. the time. Right. That's the, whole, that's the whole situation because, again, I know you are a 100% woman and then he's sitting there talking about, oh, yeah, we doing this roofing thing. And I'm like, the nails like, always. Yeah, I done been on top of a roof. I done climbed <laughs> up the ladder, been all the way on a commercial roof. Like, hey, because I'm still, I'm, hey, down, hey, I know I told you I was born in Cali, but I'm a down south girl. So, hey, I, I grew up in the country. So I'm still, it's still there. You know, I'm girly today, but she is still there. 
but it, it was just hard because if if when you're not in a when you're an entrepreneur, if you don't have like a real plan, you know, so I kind of yeah. got pushed out there because of my job. If you don't have a plan, if you don't know who your market is, you know, I mean, excuse me, who your competition is, who you're marketing to, you're going to be in limbo because now you're trying to figure out, okay, should this work? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? And that's where I was until I knew exactly what my purpose was. Yeah. And I, you know, I asked that question for a reason, because again, it's and on this show, we're never going to sell people dreams you know what i'm saying because um when you go on social media that's what they think and they're literally and then being a consultant you're a consultant they come to you with those expectations that they saw on social media right so it's like hey well um i've heard that i can get twenty thousand dollars in a week on social media you just ain't as good as whoever <laughs> the hell this was on social media i heard but you don't right. want to pay them 50 racks but you want to try to come pay me pennies Right. And, but if I got to give you 50 racks, you're just going to get me 20 something wrong with that anyway. You know exactly. Exactly. This is the whole point. And, you know, I don't want to sell nobody no dream. So everybody who jumps off the porch has a has that moment when it's like, is this a good idea? You know, because I know I made three thousand dollars. I tell people anyway, my first year as photographer, I made three thousand dollars. Right. That's not enough to feed the family. That's not enough to feed the family, you know, but I could have said, forget it. But I, well, you know, I would have went back to an eight dollar an hour job or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. But hey, the next year was way better. Still wasn't enough. It was like right. fourteen, but still, it's still way more than what it is. And right. it just keep growing. But at the same time, you got to tell that story. You have to talk about that portion of it because we're not doing the people a, a good service That's if we just job. yeah if we just keep saying that it's all sweet, it's all sweet, it's all sweet. So mm -mm. I don't do that at all. Like, like the struggle is real. Like I literally, you know, everybody mud is different. So my mud may not be like yours, but I got mine out of the mud. For yeah. <laughs> my mud, you know, I got it out of the mud because I started off and my dad was an entrepreneur, but because he didn't really teach it to us, I seen it. So it was in me. Yeah. And so, you know, once they came out, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this is what it feels like. Like now I don't want to ever go back and work for anyone else again. I don't want to ask for days off. I don't want to have the work. You know, I used to work um, to eight o'clock at night, go pick my kid up from school, drop off home, go to work, come back, fix food and start my day again. I don't want to ever have to do that again. So that's my motivation to make sure I do what I need to do as an entrepreneur. And you have to be disciplined. If you don't have that discipline, then your job, your, your entrepreneurship, career is going to go down too because nobody's going to wake you up every day nobody's going to tell you to clock in at eight and leave at five take your lunch break you know you have flexibility but discipline is definitely a part of entrepreneurship so i see you in the full circle moment because you know you went to school good student all that good stuff graduated got two degrees started working in education and did your entrepreneurship and doing it full speed ahead. And now you're educating. And now you're educating. What has that, what, what motivated you to start educating um, more people and primarily women on entrepreneurship? Uh, as women, I, I, I'm obviously I'm going to be a little biased because I think we're magical, especially black women. I think we're magical. We're dope. We have a lot of hidden talents that we kind of sit on because we always put everybody else first. Um, I'm all about um, self-development. I just had this conversation with my business partner. I'm all about self-development. I'm all about self-care. 
And once we put ourselves first, like our natural um, creativeness, our natural ability to um, be entrepreneurs, if that's for you, will come out. But because we we suppress that sometimes because we always taking care of everybody else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once we are able to pour into ourselves first and find out what our purpose is and is to be an entrepreneur, I want you to feed into that. I want you to know that, hey, this is your purpose. And then we'll do everything else on the back end. So I, I like to let women know my story, you know, so even relationship wise, you know, I became an entrepreneur, uh, a relationship. I, I had a relationship that ended at the same time. So I had a lot of brokenness, you know, so left a job relationship and it was hard, but I had to find out who I was outside of being all those other things for everybody else. And so once I found out who Tasha was, oh, you can't tell me nothing now. This is this is hella confident now. You know, that's that's who I am. But it took me a while as a woman. It took me a while because I was always giving and pouring to everybody else until I was empty for myself. And I didn't know this was in me because I was providing for everyone else. Did your relationship affect your business or did your business affect the relationship vice versa? No, it was already something. It did not. It didn't have anything to do with either either way okay. it didn't have anything to do with either way yeah it was just something totally different now once the you know with the relationship ended and then going into business going from two incomes to one it affected that financially <laughs> so <laughs> i'm not gonna lie so yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> so going from two incomes and then again uh, a check for myself on the first and the 15th to like oh lord like i gotta go get this insurance policy from you know such and such over here you yeah. know so financially it did but um, it, it was the best thing for me at the time. Yeah. And, you know, it was just the best thing for me personally in order for me to get to where I am today. So yeah. it, everything had to happen in 20, because I started in 2018. Everything that happened in 2018 at the time, it was devastating. It was awful. It was the worst thing. But 2022, it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Yeah. A lot of people have those type of situations where, you know, when you when you're um, going through the worst thing you can ever imagine, you know, you think about and you go years later, you're like, man, I, I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't go through that. You know, so yeah. um, I was just talking to somebody recently. You know, I saw my 2013. My rent was seven hundred fifty dollars. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was tripping because I was like, man, you could have thought of seven hundred fifty dollars could have been a million dollars to me. You know, right. I mean, when when I had no job and you know, no no income was coming into my household, and um, and I'm sitting here like, how the hell am I gonna get that? And I'm sitting here like, I can't even, I wouldn't even know what a seven hundred fifty dollar problem look like right now because you know I got to deal with places in different parts of the country and all this stuff and right. business stuff like that, and I'm like, so you don't know what God going to do for you. So that thing that's like a mountain today, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Literally is a molehill five years from now because I'm like, man, I was really tripping over how I'm going to pay $750. Like, I mean, yeah. I was tripping, but we don't realize until we go through it and grow. Because a lot of times right. it's knowledge. We don't have the knowledge, wisdom, understanding until we grow, go through something. Like, it probably was big then, but you're like, yeah, you're rejoicing over it right now because of who yeah. you are. So um, even with all of your struggles, and that's what this this show is about, again, stand tall and reclaim victory every day. That's the acronym for STARVE. Stand tall, reclaim victory every day. Most important thing is, what does that mean to you when you hear that acronym? <sighs> when you say stand tall, victory, because every, every day I, I wake up 
And if someone asks me right now, I started maybe saying this maybe like six months ago, seven months ago, like I'm amazing. They ask me, how you doing? Amazing. Because I may not feel amazing, but I'm going to be amazing. I may not have amazing moments. I may not have amazing outcomes, but I'm going to be amazing because every day is not going to be peaches and cream and, and unicorns and, and rainbows. But I'm going to live another day to make myself better. I'm going to live another day to not have what happened to me yesterday happen today. I'm big on that. I, I'm I'm a firm believer if something continuously happens to you every day, the same thing, that means you haven't learned your lesson. God mm -hmm. is still teaching you. You're not learning. And so every day that you get up and you are able to overcome objectives, overcome despair, overcome falling down, like you said, you standing up every day you get to stand up. That's what it's about. You want to stand up every single day and make your life better than it was yesterday. I don't, I, I don't want to be the same person I was yesterday. I want to be an, I want to grow every single day, not by the year, not by the month. Every day, Tasha is growing. Love it. Love it. Love it. This is one of the reasons, like we talked about earlier, why I suggest certain people be on this show, because strategically, we can highlight the entrepreneurship. We can highlight all of that, how much money people make and all that other stuff like that. But for me, when I was listening in my time, listening to the Eric Thomases of the world and all those people, I used to hate them at first, not personally because I don't know them, but they never right. told the story. They were talking about how lazy we were or you don't get no sleep or you ain't built for this. And I'm like, I don't want to hear that. I'm from North New Jersey. You can yell all you want to. We, we, that's all we do up there. So that, that don't scare me. That don't move <laughs> right. me. I want to know how, because it, it didn't make sense to me that you get up at three o'clock in the morning every day and I'm supposed to get sleep. How did that happen? It wasn't until I found out that Eric Thomas went to bed at seven o'clock. Then right. a word hit me where you use early discipline. Oh, okay. You go to bed at seven o'clock at night and get up at three o'clock in the morning to put out your YouTube videos. You know what? I can, I can, I can buy into that. When I listened right. to the Gary V's and he was said that if it wasn't for his dad, who would allow him to work at his um, liquor store uh, for years and perfect using his liquor that his dad has to um, open up his um, YouTube store, his wine thing on, on YouTube like, tell that story. I need to hear right. it because, and my people need to hear it. And so if I have my own platform, I'm going to make sure people are telling the real stories so that people can know it's me. I can do that. Because a lot of times you start hearing people's story, you be like, man, that ain't me. And they just walk off. Right. But when you hear that Tasha went through a, a separation, you went through, now you're a single parent. You went through all of these things and you um, lost a job and you were able to do it. And you had, you know, some issues, but you still are up. That makes it a whole lot better for somebody to say, you know what? I identify with that. I don't need to quit um, my business. I don't need to stop doing this. This is for me. I just suggest my time and my season to go through the same thing she went through, same thing he went through. And so that's for us in this show, Stand Tall and Reclaim Victory Every Day. I know we've talked before, but I wanted my people to hear you, you know, your starve testimony and how you were able to overcome because, hey, your life started out well. It don't mean you're not going to have some bumps and bruises. Oh, definitely. I always think you want, if you didn't have bad days, you want to appreciate the good days because you think every day is supposed to be good. So yeah. all of the bumps and bruises and the hurdles I had to cross and the detours and the pitfalls I had to climb my way out of. Again, that's why I say I, I appreciate all of those days because I want to be who I, I am today. 
I love it. And we love that you are who you are. You know, you're representing well. I've told you off camera, on the phone, whatever. I support what you're doing. I am proud of you. See where you were in 2018 when we uh, met, you know, and then seeing where you are now. That's just a dope situation. You know, we continue to remain authentic. And I know that God's going to give you everything that you deserve um, and probably some little, a little bit more too. <laughs> right. I, I appreciate it. Hey, cause I, and I, I feel like uh, what I get and what I receive from my business, you know, helping others. I, I love helping others. So like helping my, my clients, you know, building a business profile, you know, helping them get the lines of credit or business credit. That brings me joy. Like I get so excited because I know I'll get what I'm supposed to get on the back end. As long as I do what I'm supposed to do for my clients on the front end, I'll get everything I'm supposed to. I mean, I deserve on, on the back end. Love it. I love it. Let people know how they can find you, how they can stay in contact with you, see what you're doing, go to one of your trainings, any of that. I mean, all that information. Okay. Well, again, I am the Tasha Dash, and I am the CEO of She Dreams Consulting. So we change the financial trajectory of um, small businesses by teaching them how to leverage business credit. We're not teaching them, showing them how to leverage business credit. And so you can um, go to um, She Dreams, that's with an S, LLC.com. I do free consultations for small businesses. And again, I don't want you to be a brand new business owner. I love you guys, but I need you to be in business for a while so we can be effective. We can get what you need to do, but you can give me um, a shout out there. You can also follow me on social media at Tosh um, Teaches Businesses. Um, but that's with Instagram. And then I'm Tasha Dash on Facebook. So you can DM me on either platform. And I would love to be able to help you. Again, we do the... Um, consultations for free Stay out of her dms dudes keep it keep yeah it, uh, hey 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 don't jay don't worry about it i take care of all of that if we are not serious because I'm, I'm definitely about my business and if you want to sidestep and talk about something else no no no, no. Nah, I'm, I'm tripping on my fellas i look you can't stop it it is what it is but you know you yeah. can curve it how you need to curve it but i'm just tripping on my fellas <laughs> But no, you look, you guys know how to keep in contact with us, www.iwonstarm.com, www.jhalim.com. Go to Starve Talk on YouTube right now. Subscribe to the page. Click the like and notification button so we can stay in your, you know, all in your inbox. Whenever something's going on, when you see an exclusive person like this right here on there, you'll know and you won't miss one thing. Follow me on all my social medias. I am Jay Halim. And stay with us. But again, until next time, stand tall and reclaim victory every day because that's all we can do. You know, is every day is going to be a fight. But if you end the fight and you win, you're victorious. So we'll see you next time. Tasha, thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving me some time today. Oh, you are welcome, Jay. Thank you for having me on. I'm in the studio with Jay Haley. I'm in the studio with Jay Haley. I'm in the studio with Jay Haleem. I am in the studio with Jay Haleem. I'm in the studio with Jay Haleem. You are now in the studio with Jay Haleem.